0: everybody a Merry Christmas. And boy, have I got a Christmas surprise for you guys, man. <laughs> well, of course, you know who this is. It's Santa Joe Moore. And I'm one of the co-hosts of Traditionally Speaking with my friend and, and fellow publisher and author, Dr. Tom Christie. However, Today, I have the unparalleled pleasure of introducing you to a fabulous new book by Tom, and it's called A Totally Bodacious 90s Christmas. And I'll tell you, If you're familiar with any of Tom's books, you know he's written some fabulous books on the movies that we watch and the movies that have shaped our culture, our family, and our traditions. And this one is absolutely no different. I've been waiting a while for the 90s one to come out, and he just released it. And it just is coming out literally today as, as you're hearing this. So by all means, you need to look this one up. It is wonderful. And uh, the 90s is one of those things that we should pretty well remember, although there are some wonderful movies in this book that I am not even familiar with. But first, before I get ahead of myself here, let me introduce you to my preferred guest, Dr. Tom Christie. Good morning, Tom.
1: Hello, Joe, and a very Merry Christmas.
0: Oh, and to you, my friend, and to you. So, Tom, wow, so what What volume is this now? Is this number four?
1: No, no, this is the third volume out of a series of four. Um, this is the 1990s, so um, as you know, I've covered the 1980s, and then I went back to the 40s and 50s, so this is me going ahead in time again uh, to the 90s. It's a bit like Back to the Future.
0: <laughs> bouncing back and forth. Yeah, and don't be surprised, folks, but maybe in a year or so, we'll be coming out with the 60s, too. (laughs) He will. Anyway, there are some wonderful movies in here, Tom. And as I was telling you, even before we started this, uh, you know, every single book that you've put out, I have discovered some absolutely fabulous gems and some wonderful movies that, to be honest with you, even I didn't know about. And I thought I'd watched every Christmas movie out. But, oh, my gosh, you here again in the 90s, you've got some absolutely fabulous movies in here that I cannot wait to find and to, and to see uh, based on the description you have. Why don't you run through the book and, and how you set it up and how you do each movie and you know, what what are your emphasis? I could talk about what you emphasize and stuff, but I'd rather hear it from the author.
1: It was one of those things, the 1990s, it was a a really important decade for Christmas movies because you, you had the 1940s and 50s, which really was the golden age of the genre. And that's where you have all of the different conventions and themes of the Christmas movie coming together for the first time. You then had the 60s and 70s, which was really a a kind of wilderness period. You know, there were a lot of experimental movies at that point. But really, the emphasis was on selling colour TVs and really the the, the TV movie. That was the thing. Um, That's why you get all these wonderful things like, you know, the Charlie Brown Christmas and How the Grinch Stole Christmas and those those kind of features. Um, But in terms of the cinema, not that very much going on until you get to the 1980s, and you have the second golden age where the Christmas movie is right back in the public eye again. It's making big money at the box office, um, and it really, from that point on, it was there to stay. So by the time you get into the 1990s, there's this renewed interest in Christmas movies. There's an interest in terms of content, in terms of themes, in terms of characters, Um, and there's a, a great public expectation about these movies. So you have films like Home Alone, Um, You have films like uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, I'm Up at Christmas Carol, um, the remake of Miracle on 34th Street. And these are all films that um, have at their heart very traditional Christmas messages. But then you move on to some of the more experimental Christmas films. You know, you get films like um, Jingle All the Way, Mixed Nuts, 29th Street. Um, You know, films which took a slightly different tack. They might have been a bit more subversive in their approach, uh, but all of them ultimately reinforce those classic Christmas themes of goodwill, friends and family, the importance of community, and the, really the, the ability of Christmas to bring people together. You know, these these important themes that were laid down in the 1940s. Not
0: to mention, you you know, they did a couple remakes, like you mentioned, The Miracle on 34th Street, which was remade and, and kind of brought up the date a little bit. And then, of course, The Preacher's Wife, which was an adaptation off of The Bishop's Wife, which is one of my personal favorites. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they, they and not to mention what else was going on during the 90s is we were really moving forward in a lot of the digital photography and doing some new things in cinematography that hadn't been done before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the interesting things because you had films like... um The Nightmare Before Christmas for instance with all that amazing stop-motion animation that's going on in there. Um, But then you have films like Trapped in Paradise which um, had a mixed response from the critics but it was an interesting updating of um, films like We Are No Angels and it carries through that that same kind of theme from the 40s but bringing it up to date. And the interesting thing about that film of course is the fact that um, it, it kind of evokes Frank Capra as well. You know, you have that very classic kind of uh, Leo McCary, 30s and 40s Americana all going on in there as well. So it's, it's a, a really intriguing mix of different styles.
0: That one is on the top of my must-see list because I had never seen Trapped in Paradise. But after reading uh, your chapter on that, that is definitely something that I think I would just enjoy immensely. And I can't wait to actually see it and and you know uh, see what it's all about. But yeah, I mean, absolutely fabulous job on this, Tom. I mean, wow! I <laughs> now Tom doesn't get into the Hallmark Hall of Fame movies or anything like that. Is is that going to be a separate book, Tom?
1: <laughs> well you know i love the hallmark movies i think everyone loves hallmark movies it might be a guilty pleasure for some people or it might be something that they watch all the year round but there are just so many of them i, I don't know how many volumes you would need to, to cover all of the hallmark movies
0: and that's and here, here you're just talking about hallmark now everybody else is jumping on that bandwagon going oh yeah we can run christmas movies all year long too so yeah. <laughs> pretty soon you may have to come out with a new volume every year just for that year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but so this is strictly movies that have been in the cinema, correct?
1: Yes, that's right. Uh, these are films that were designed, you know, for, for cinematic audiences throughout the 90s. And one of the things that I, I like to try and do with these books is look at how the films were received by critics at the time and then contrast it with how more recent reviews have have appraised these films. Because sometimes, you know, a film's uh, reputation can improve over the years. I mean, you see films like... We mentioned trapped in paradise but other films like mixed nuts um did quite badly with the critics at the time but over the years um, people have started to look at them a bit more um nostalgically perhaps you know and they've, they've had a slightly more warm appraisal to these films than was the case when they first came out
0: well and just like in all things that we do our culture changes continuously and emphasis gets put on different things or we feel differently about things so that's not a surprise i mean that's one of the reasons why some of these classics have lasted the test of time is because you know our hearts still grow and they still respond to the messages that were given back in the 30s and 40s or the the 50s or the 80s that type of thing so Yeah, it doesn't surprise me that people are looking at these movies fresh again. I mean, for instance, and and I hope I don't lose all my fans on this one, but I wasn't all that impressed with The Nightmare Before Christmas when it came out. I thought, well, you know, being Santa myself, it's like I didn't see anything funny about that. Well, a few weeks ago, I watched it again, and I went, what did I not like about this movie? It's fabulous. And as you said, the stop motion animation in this is just art, pure art. So, you know, and it's like now I'm really appreciating that movie for what it is and seeing the messages in a much different light. So it's fun that even if you're familiar with some of these movies that Tom has listed and he has quite a few. Um, you may want to go back and look at them again because you may feel entirely differently. And as you said, the critics have even changed their minds about some of these.
1: And it's, it's an interesting thing, too, because you see some films where critical appraisal becomes much warmer over the years and people find little aspects of the films that, that they enjoy and they start to say, well, why was this film badly received in in the first place? And then there are other films where the you know, critical opinion hasn't improved um, and uh, you get a, an idea from watching it as to, you know, what makes a really classic Christmas film and what makes a film, you know, a, a decent but forgettable film, you know. So sometimes uh, there are all those different aspects that, that come into play as well.
0: Well, and then, of course, you know, you've got a couple of these, like The Home Alone, which became a franchise, as did The Santa Claus. You know, mm. and in fact, now they're even coming out with new Santa Claus episodes now starring Tim Allen and Elizabeth Mitchell and some of the, the former cast members. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's ongoing now, which they couldn't do back in the, the 40s and 50s and so on, but they can do today. So mm. it's kind of fun to go back and look at these again. I mean, I remember when the uh, Miracle on 34th Street came out with Richard Attenborough. And, you know, I thought, oh, come on. How could you possibly, possibly improve on the one, the original? And Hmm. it was like, you know, with Edmund Gwynn, you couldn't do better than that. But Hmm. I was wrong. It's it's equally charming. It's equally warm. and, And it kind of modernized it a little bit. But without getting carried away, so you know, I I thought there's a lot of these people that take these projects on, and they actually do a great job with it. Now, I'm I'm curious, which one did you would surprise you the most when you uh, wrote about it?
1: Um, It's it's a strange one actually, because films like Mixed Nuts, for instance, um, were fairly you know pilloried by the critics at the time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I I don't know why it was, you know, demonized to the extent it was, because there's so much in that film to enjoy, um, and so much talent on the screen, you know, between all of these big name actors, you know, Steve Martin, Madeleine Kahn, and obviously... Uh, you, you also have Nora Ephron, who's the writer-director, you know, who'd also done Sleepless in Seattle and films like that. So, you know, there's lots to enjoy in that, because it's a very unconventional Christmas. It's set in, um, in Venice Beach in Los Angeles. Um, you know, so it's miles away from snowy backdrops and, you know, North Pole vistas and things like that. So I enjoyed that. Um, I always have time for The Muppet Christmas Carol as well, because it's often said by a lot of Dickens scholars that, it's actually the closest adaptation of A Christmas Carol to the tone that Charles Dickens himself would probably have wanted to strike. So um, from, that point of, from that point of view, it's always interesting to watch because you always see something slightly different in it. There are so many you know, really nice little touches and details in that film. Um, and, of, and of course, Home Alone, you mentioned. I mean, it's, it's hard to believe it's been 32 years since Home Alone came out. But yeah, it was <laughs> definitely the most profitable comedy of the 1990s.
0: Yeah, you know, and I was so amazed when you talked about Home Alone and how, uh, the, the, I, I don't want to give anything away from your book, but you have got to explain how the studio, the original studio that was looking at this, came about and and kind of basically wind up burying the thing, and, and somebody else picked it up. And, and why? So go ahead. Go, I'll go ahead and let you tell that story. It is so, folks, you are going to be just amazed by this. Go ahead. Tell, tell them what happened with the two studios. I think this is outrageous.
1: It's one of those stories, isn't it, that you can you can almost imagine, um, you know, some executive hitting his head off the wall um, by what happened. But uh, John Hughes, who produced the film and also wrote it, I mean, obviously very famous for his teen movies in the '80s and films like Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, Uncle Buck, uh, all of these, you know, really successful comedies in the '80s, um, really believed in the story and uh, he really wanted to have a child actor in the lead role. And uh, the initial uh, studio that he approached about it um, were very uh, reluctant to have a child actor playing the, the lead part. They didn't think this was going to be commercially successful. Um, so they ran the numbers with their accountants, and I think they'd worked out that the absolute maximum the film was likely to make was about $40 million. Um So they asked John Hughes to take a reduction in his budget, which I think at that point was set at around $19 million. Um So he refused to do that. Uh, And as a result, uh, the film was uh, pushed onto the back burner. Um, So Hughes, being a very enterprising filmmaker, um, had shopped it around and had been able to pick up support from um, Fox, who did develop the film and uh, and gave him the full 19 million budget. And they must have been very pleased that they did because it went on to make hundreds of millions of dollars.
0: What what did uh, you say, like 350 million or something like that?
1: Well, I think it was, yeah, it must, it was be, it must be around it. that. Was I
0: just, mean, well, that wasn't internationally, was it? That was just domestically?
1: Oh, it was hugely popular abroad as well. Yeah, I mean, it made more money domestically than it did internationally, I think. But I mean, I mean it was a vast amount of money. It was certainly the most profitable comedy uh, of the decade.
0: Not to mention, it had a couple uh, sequels. <laughs> oh,
1: yes. Oh, it yes, it did. It also did well. Yes, he certainly did, and I mean, it, it says a lot that they're still making these, um, you know, Home Alone uh, spin-offs now. You know, I mean, there was one just quite recently on on um, streaming TV, um, which you know got lots of press coverage and, and lots of interest. So, uh, you know, it says a lot that there's still so much warmth and enthusiasm for the for the the franchise.
0: Well, and this is the kind of thing, folks, you're going to read page after page in here because Tom puts a lot of these little backstories that you would never uh, know about unless you were in the industry itself and had heard through the grapevine. But that's what makes this book just such a wonderful read. Not only are you gonna learn all about the movies and the characters and the directors, the producers and everybody involved in making the, the film, But also, you're going to learn some interesting tidbits that I'm sure uh, in this particular case, the first studio would not want you to know about that (laughs) that they goofed up so bad. But, you know, you hear and and read about this, you know, uh, look at the actors that have turned away roles and stuff and then, you know, spent the rest of their lives kicking themselves for doing so. But, you know, that's just part of life but that's what makes this book so much fun to to read. I mean, and again, the title is A Totally Bodacious 90s Christmas, Festive Cinema of the 1990s by Thomas A. Christie. And you guys, I can't emphasize enough some of the gems that Tom puts in here that, again, I never knew existed. And I'm hoping that, you know, you're going to love this too. And, oh, by the way, Tom, I have to mm-hmm. congratulate you again. Extremist Publishing just took away another award for the second year in a row, did they not?
1: Yes, that, that's right. That was the Independent Publishing Company of the Year at the Scotland Prestige Awards. Yeah, that was that was a really um quite blown away by that, actually. So, yeah, if you're wondering... <laughs> <laughs> how good this publishing
0: house is and how good this author is, I can promise you, if you pick up this book, you won't wonder after that. So congratulations again on that. Boy, two years running. Wow, that's huge.
1: So, Thank you very much, yeah. So
0: you think you're going to be able to
1: do it a third? Well, <laughs> that remains to be seen, but every, all fingers are crossed and everything else that can be crossed is crossed.
0: I'm sure there is. And oh, by the way, I mentioned at the beginning of this, but I'll let Tom kind of introduce this to you. We also have a podcast going called Traditionally Speaking. And if you love Christmas, and if you love traditions, and if you love, and you would love to know how some of these traditions started, or you're not even aware of some of the traditions, you would love this podcast. Tom, tell them a little bit about it, what we do.
1: Yeah, sure thing. Well, every month we have a new episode in the middle of the month uh, all about a different Christmas tradition. But the the beauty of it is, and certainly the thing that I find most interesting about it, is that we always contrast those different traditions between what happens in America and what happens in Scotland. And sometimes, by extension, the whole of North America and sometimes Europe, you know. Um, that's always been what's interested me, because sometimes we have very, very similar traditions, and other times we have traditions that are celebrated completely differently, Um, and uh, we're always able to talk about those things and find out where the differences lie and where the similarities lie.
0: And also where they came from, and you know, that's what's, I've had a great deal of fun researching some of this stuff for our podcast, I mean, because it, it just amazes me of the history of some of these things. I mean, simple things like anything from Christmas crackers in Europe to eggnog in America. So, you know, and it's just people don't always know what's going on or where these things came from or what they are. So if you're really interested in Christmas, by all means, check us out on traditionally-speaking.com. And I'll tell you, you'll have a great time with these podcasts, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I find that, you know, both of us actually are learning new things all the time. And uh, (laughs) it doesn't really matter what the subject is. We always have a good time discussing it.
0: We do. We do. I mean, Tom and I enjoy each other's company immensely, as you could probably tell from this. And whether you're reading his books or listening to our podcast or... You know, reading some of the other fabulous books that are are published by Extremist Publishing. I mean, he's got a lot of fascinating subjects out there that would hold your interest through a lot of dark days when you just want to be quiet and learn something new. <laughs>
1: and the amazing thing about it is, you know, when I write these books, I always discover so many interesting facts I had no idea about before I started researching them, Um, and there are some favorites in this one, um, in particular A Midnight Clear, which is a a very harrowing and seriously angry war film that's set at Christmas time in the Ardennes forest, which, um, if people aren't familiar with it, is between France, Germany and Belgium. And it's set during the Battle of the Bulge. Um, so you have this very, very heavy snow in the area, freezing temperatures. Um, but what I had no idea about before I wrote the book was that the trees that make up the Ardennes Forest in this particular film were actually native to North America, and you'll never find them in Europe.
0: <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're a botanist you probably wouldn't notice that but i'll tell you that reading the i have not seen a midnight clear but it reading the synopsis of that who that that had to be a heavy movie so, mm. so you know yeah and, and uh it's certainly not doesn't have the, the lightness and the fun of some of the other christmas movies but it's it's Sounds like an absolutely wonderful movie nonetheless and the characters in it. I found myself already identifying with several characters and and just feeling for for people that went through anything like that in, in wartime. So, but again, so different from, you know, and that's the amazing thing. Christmas has a lot of variation on its cinematography.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and you know that's the amazing thing about '90s Christmas filmmaking was there is so much variety. Um, I mean, you have these comedies, you have dramas, you have you know these these harrowing films, um, and you also have films that are you know quite wistful and you know I mean, inclined to make you think about about uh, you know what Christmas really means. So I mean, from that that sheer variety of visual styles and narrative styles, uh, that's what makes it such a special decade because it laid the groundwork. Um, for many of the films that were to come in the decades after it.
0: Well, Tom, let's tell them where we can find this fabulous gem of a book of yours. Uh, obviously, uh, it's just coming out now. But, you know, where where would be the best place or the easiest place to locate one?
1: Well, if you come on to the Extremist Publishing website at extremispublishing.com, um, you can see all of the various different participating online retailers, um, but you can also order it from independent booksellers as well um, if you have the ISBN number. So if you check out the website, you can see all of the different places that are selling the book.
0: Yeah, Tom sells internationally, as do I. Um, so, yeah, it's just a matter of just uh, hunting it down. But by all means, if you wanna really enhance your holiday season this year, I strongly advise you to pick up a totally bodacious 90s Christmas, uh, festive cinema of the 90s. And of course, Tom's other books, which you know are fabulous as well. I, the Golden Age of Christmas movies. And he's done a righteously awesome 80s Christmas. So if you're into the older movies, uh, you know, by all means, take a look at that. Because, again, there there are gems that I didn't even know about until I I read that book. And they've become my Christmas favorites that I watch year after year. And A Righteously Awesome 80's Christmas, you would find fascinating. Because talk about different uh, genres of Christmas movies. Oh good heavens. I mean, you've got everything from slasher movies to romantic comedies and everything else that that those years, don't you, Tom?
1: Oh yeah. And of course that, that perennial controversy is Die Hard a Christmas movie?
0: <laughs> <laughs> a debate for a future podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's exactly right. There's some there's some movies in there that you go, really? That was a Christmas movie? yeah you know um well just like a midnight clear you really wouldn't think of it as a christmas movie by itself but it it does take place at christmas time and obviously the theme of christmas is in it but that's not something you'd sit there go oh you know what my favorite christmas movie is Mm
1: -hmm.
0: you know it's just it's just unusual yes anyway Well, Tom, again, congratulations. It's a great book, and you did another great job like you did with the other two. and we won't uh, we won't be waiting long, I hope, for the next volume to come out. So but uh, any last words for my friend?
1: Well, just to tell everybody, thank you very much for all of your interest and support in the previous books in the series. And uh, if you like your Christmas films slightly surreal, then you won't be disappointed by the next one because we're going all the way back to the summer of love and uh, a a serious groovy take on Christmas movies.
0: Ah, boy, can't wait for that one. So, but I got to finish this one. There's still a couple movies I want to look at again so I can decide if I want to rent those or not. But anyway, congratulations on the award. Congratulations on the book. And, you know, I wish you a very successful uh, new year with, with Extranus Publishing. And of course, all our listeners, God bless you and have a very Merry Christmas and a very safe and happy holiday. So <laughs> this is Santa Joe Moore signing off for, our, for my friend, Tom Christie and I. God bless you and we'll see you on the other side.
1: Thanks so much, Joe, and wishing you and yours a fantastic festive season.
0: Thank you, my friend. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. If you would like to find out more about advertising on the Extremist Publishing podcast, please visit their website at www.extremistpublishing.com for details.